Hello and welcome to episode 72 of the Nerd Culture Podcast. My name is David, and with me are my awesome crew, Bo. What's up? And Crystal. Awesome now, Army. That's not what you said a second ago. No, you're, you'll always be awesome to me. Um, this is our final episode for the year. It really doesn't mean that much because we just kind of have another episode in a week's time anyway. The schedule doesn't even get interrupted. But it is our final episode for 2013. It's very exciting. Yeah. Very <laughs> our next episode will be our best of 2013 and uh, we'll have the whole crew on it so it'll be very exciting the 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 old school crew what'd you call them the original gangsters yeah the ogs the ogs they're the ogs that might be an american term i don't know yeah i, th- I think it is an american term <laughs> and uh and the and the new guy my sidekick bo i'm the ng <laughs> It's uh, it's going to be very cool. But uh, until then, we've got this episode seventy two, very exciting. Uh, we've got our as usual, we've got uh, our popcorn junkies, uh, our contest of champions, and Azerothian times. And we've also got a giveaway. That's right, we're going to give away a copy of Much Ado About Nothing on DVD, thanks to the awesome people from Madman Entertainment. You guys. So I get rock. a copy of Much to Do Without Nothing. What? No, you get nothing. You get screw all. Ah. Uh. <laughs> it's for our lovely listeners, or at least one of the listeners, anyway. So more details about that later on in the show. And uh, and for, for a very special thing for episode seventy two, we've got Crystal's clip show. Yay! We had Yay. one last year. It was very exciting. <laughs> Kermit Fire. <Flail. laughs> Yay! The Kermit voice. <laughs> uh, hey, you know I saw something weird today um, on Netflix. There's an Australian version of Wilfred. So was Wilfred originally an Australian it's show? That the original it... version. I like to bloody it Americans. <laughs> oh, there was an Australian version of Wilfred. It, it's I'm our show, dude. Like, I'm discovering that like half the TV shows I watch were originally British or Australian. Why <laughs> should Wood jumped on our coattails? That's right. <laughs> the dog is the dog is the same. The guy who plays the dog is the same guy. But, yeah. I know, I know. That's what threw me off. I was like, "What's up? Is this like the season I haven't seen or something?" <laughs> <laughs> do you like that show, dude? Uh, I watched season one of The American, and I liked it. But I haven't. I'm going to watch the Australian, <laughs> and I need to watch the rest of The American. Actually, strangely enough, I prefer the American one, which is kind of weird. I haven't seen enough. Well, of you know uh, that dude. That what's his name? Um, he oh, was uh, Elijah Wood. Yeah, Elijah Wood. He's really good. Now let's move on to Popcorn Junkies. So uh, Bo's right. going to be first with We Live in Public. No young Bo this week, huh? No, no, you're, young. you're back, to, back to normal Bo. Man Bo. Man Bo. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> did right, you so, tell, uh, tell me when when uh, Tybo was a big craze? Did people call you Tybo? No, no. <laughs> can I can I start doing that? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Man bow sounds like the bow tie a stripper might wear. <laughs> oh, like, like, stripper bow tie, the man bow. Yeah, that yeah, is I'll brilliant. That. We're sticking with that from now on, man bow. Okay. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I picked We Live in Public. Um, I actually haven't watched it recently. Um, but last week I did a documentary, and um, I think maybe you asked me something about you know was you know was I into documentaries? And our conversation off the air um, after we did uh, let's see what was last week? I did uh, a band called Death. That's right, um, a band called Death. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, the director of a band called Death, Mr. Mark Covino, has tweeted us saying that he listened to the episode and that he really loved the review. Yeah, so we got Blizzard listening, yeah, and Mark Cavino. How freaking awesome is that? Yeah, we're people that know people. <laughs> people that know people. <laughs> we're getting around. So uh, thank you very much, Mark, for listening. That was awesome. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's awesome stuff. So um, whenever in that conversation, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I like different types of documentaries. There's a documentary called Parking Lot. There's a documentary. Anyway, ultimately, I think my favorite documentary is probably one called We Live in Public. And the title the title sounds like it's going to be a lot like the NSA or something. But yeah. it's actually... I actually thought it was about public sex. Oh, no, it's not about that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if I can find his name real, real quick. It was... His name is Josh, Josh Harris. 
Mr. Harris created like what was almost the first like podcast network. It was video and audio, but it basically was like MTV but on the internet. And they would um, just do like little skits and like TV shows. They played music. They had like talk shows. I mean, it was like it was like literally what like thousands of people are doing now. According to iTunes, tens of thousands of people are doing now. Only um, this was like in like the nineties. May, the early 90s like when the internet was first being born you know yeah and this guy became a millionaire just you know just because he was this entrepreneur anyway they got shut down because it was like getting so big that he was like rivaling mtv and he was he was saying this is the future you know nobody's gonna watch tv in 10 years nobody's gonna you know tv is gonna be a thing of the past the radio is gonna be a thing of the past everything's gonna be the internet and you know in a lot of ways that's a lot of foresight i mean nowadays i i didn't own a tv until i got married and I think I was kind of ahead of the curve on that sort of thing because I've always been kind of an internet nerd. But I always watched TV online. I always watched movies online. All my entertainment was brought to me via the internet on demand whenever I wanted to watch it. Cool. And I just always needed an internet service, and then I could get everything else on my own. And then, um, so I think in a lot of ways he was way ahead of himself on, on that, you know, that curve. Um, but this guy's life, like that's just like the start of the documentary. The, this guy's life. Like, you couldn't have written it. Like, it is just insane. It turns out, like, he's, like, really obsessed with Gilligan's Island for some reason. I don't even know how that played into the documentary. <laughs> but he had these, like, huge paintings of Gilligan all over his house. I mean, like, he spent his money on just the weirdest stuff. And um, he built, like, this underground cult in Manhattan, I think it was. Um, and he hired people to come live there. And there are cameras in the beds. There's cameras in the toilets. There, like I don't mean like toilet as in people call the bathroom the toilet. Like cameras in the toilet. There's cameras in the bathroom. There's cameras in the showers. There's cameras. There is no square inch of this place that is not on camera. There's nowhere you can get away from it. The only place that they have that is not on camera is like this psychi like this psychiatric little booth thing, and he hires all these people to come here and live in this commune. They have like a church, like. Um, there's like a church inside the place where um, they like learn about technology and they kind of like make this like technological religion thing and um, every day they meet at this giant uh, like uh, dinner table and there's this conveyor in the me middle that brings them you know all the food they could want I mean these people they have whatever they want they have to go to this creepy techno church and the stipulation is that they have to live on camera at all times and this guy, the Josh Harris guy, he doesn't live there with him. He just, you know, comes and goes as he pleases. But by the, by halfway through this documentary, they think of this guy as like a messiah. So but where's, where does the footage go though? It's all on camera. But where's the footage actually end up? I'm not 100 percent sure without watching the documentary again. But I believe that they had set up a website where you could pay to watch them. You could watch the people living in here. Jesus. Um, but not only that. But the people were watching it themselves. Every bed had a camera switcher, almost like a wire cast in your bed. And you can switch between the cameras in the commune from your bed. So you could be sitting – by the way, the beds are like these – it's like a big – like you know how they have the squares on, uh, on the Brady Bunch at the beginning of the show and everybody's heads are in them? Mm. It's like that but with beds. And – Everybody's sleeping in their own little bed, and they've all got this little computer with this little camera switcher, and they can switch to any camera in the commune. And so, like, not only do you know that people on the internet are watching you, you know that people that you live with are watching you, and you don't know when they're watching you. You don't know that they're you might be you might be not under surveillance right now. You might be under surveillance right now. I mean, it almost is like kind of like the NSA, really. But <laughs> but so I don't know if it was just like an experiment that this guy did with all – because, I mean, he made millions of dollars and didn't have anything to do with it except for by Gilligan paying. So, I mean, maybe he just wanted to do this. Um, but I believe also he was kind of like streaming it somewhere and people were paying to watch it. And I, I remember one scene in the documentary that was just totally surreal where like there's hundreds of people in this thing. And they're like just gathered around in a circle watching two people have sex in the center of the circle. And the Josh Harris guy is just sitting there drinking, watching this whole thing go down. And it is just normal. Like this is this is life in this in this place, you know, and they've they've been doing this for, I think, almost a year at this point. Oh, they not only oh, they not only had all the food they could want, all the alcohol they could want. Um, they had a free place to stay and they were always on camera 
and they could have sex in public whenever they want. But they also had like a shooting range. They also had ammunition and weapons as much as they wanted. Well, that's why the government came in. Right, and so the government <laughs> stepped in and shut it down. And um, but it took a year for them to, you know, because they were trying to do it for a long time, but they were like tied up in court and stuff. And they shut it down. And then the guy decides that he is going to set up his apartment the same way that his commune was, and he is going to live in public. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, this is halfway. I'm not going to tell you the ending of the documentary. This is literally halfway through. So everything I just wow. described would be a documentary in itself. But this is literally the middle mark for the documentary. It keeps going after this. And by the end of the documentary, no one knows where this Harris guy is. Like he's just – I mean maybe now. I could probably Google it and find out where he's at now. But at the time of this documentary, he had fallen off the face of the earth. Like if someone wrote a novel about this guy's life, like if he, if he was a fictional character – I don't see how they would have come up with this story. Like it's just such a, a unique story, and it just kind of and it also says a lot about like what the internet is. They touch on subjects like you know Twitter and Facebook, how we're always like posting what we're doing, you know. And in reality, I don't think anybody cares what we're doing. Shopping for a blue shirt, you know. Mm. I need a shirt with less buttons, you know. Nobody cares that I'm shopping for a shirt, but for some reason, I feel obligated to post that. And not only do <laughs> I feel obligated to post it, but people feel obligated to read it. Like you're always. You're always sitting on the toilet checking your checking your Facebook, right? You know? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. You don't want to admit it, but you do it. Well, no, um, Twitter maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. And so, like, there, there's just this whole, like, the Internet has made us this automated society where we, we're doing something and we're just automated to post it and we have to publish it. It's almost a way that, like, we get our 15 minutes of fame and these little, like, you know, little second increments over the course of our life it's a crazy crazy movie and i would give it a five out of five uh it's my first ever five out of five on this wow. show it's really good it's a really good movie he said, um, it sounds like a real life big brother yeah it is uh it's big brother if big brother were rated you know r or nc-17 or something <laughs> <laughs> so five out of five for we live in public there you go yeah awesome nice well i'll definitely be checking that out now Thank you for that, Bo. Next up we have me with Much Ado About Nothing. So as I mentioned at the start, um, thanks to the awesome people at Mad Man Entertainment, uh, I got to see Much Ado About Nothing, which is uh, Joss Whedon's version, uh, which has just come out on DVD. It's uh, It was a personal project for, of Joss's and his wife, uh, and it was filmed in in the break on The Avengers. So during The Avengers, it was, he was contracted to have a two-week uh, break, and instead of just sitting around and playing Warcraft or whatever it is, <laughs> he, he actually went and made a movie, which is pretty good. Um, now, it's it's I've I've often in the past been accused of being the uh, a, a Joss Whedon fanboy and uh, part of the, the Whedon army, and uh, that in the early days of Buffy and Angel and stuff like that, that was would definitely have been true, um, especially up to uh, Doctor Horrible. But uh, things like Dollhouse and uh, sort of sort of weaned me off you know, the, the cult of Wheaton for a while. Uh, but I'm going to say, this has put me straight back on there. It's, um, as uh, the title suggests, it is, it's based on Shakespeare's story, Much Ado About Nothing, and uh, it's awesome. It's very, very, very good. Uh, it's And I think it's now going to be, uh, just like Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, I think it's going to become the staple for uh, high schoolers when they're studying uh, Shakespeare. Every high school student has to study at least one Shakespearean text, and uh, if they're doing much, bit, not much to do about nothing, I guarantee you they'll be watching this film. Um, it stars uh, quite a few of the sort of the Whedon alumni. Uh, uh, the main main characters are played by Amy Acker uh, and Alexis Denisov, um, who play uh, Beatrice and Benedict. Uh, but you've also got the the brilliant Nathan Fillion in there as Dogberry. Uh, Clark Gregg, everybody's beloved uh, Agent Coulson is in there. Fran Kranz, who uh, Bo would probably remember best from The Cabin in the Woods. Uh, a bunch of other people, including uh, Sean Maher from Firefly and uh, Tom Link from Buffy. As I said, it's based on Shakespeare's uh, story, and it is actually in... It uses the dialogue from the play. The scenarios uh, is sort of a more modernised sort of version, um, and... Uh, the surroundings are, are, are modern. It's actually filmed in Joss Whedon's house. So uh, Joss, Joss's wife designed this house and they, they got it built to her specifications. And uh, this is their first actual, not, not counting home 
movies, uh, actual film filmed on that. Um, and that's, it's funny, even though it's his own house, at one point the uh, the police came around and said that you're not allowed to film without a permit. And Justice was like, well, it's my own house. I can, I can do whatever the hell I want. So as soon as the police left, they just they just kept filming anyway. It's like, are you crazy? Are they are they are they they going to stamp on uh, you know home movies of the of the kids playing in the pool in the backyard and stuff like that? It's ridiculous. Anyway. We live in public, man. I know we live in public. Exactly. <laughs> uh, for those that don't don't really know this, the general story is that uh, Leonardo, who's the governor of Messina, is visited by his friend Don Pedro, uh, who's returning uh, from a campaign against his rebellious brother Don John, um, and uh, accompanying Don Pedro uh, two of his officers, Benedict and Claudio. Claudio, who's played by Fran Kranz, um, falls for uh, Leonardo's daughter Hero. The the bad people the bad people of the story sort of conspire to destroy that happy happiness because they're basically just bad people and so through a series of sort of comedic slash dramatic events you know lots of lies are told and you know seductions and all that sort of stuff they try to break that happy couple apart more to up not really to upset them particularly but more to upset the people around them like their friends and stuff like that um, it's like I said it's really 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 good it's. Uh, one of my favourite adaptations, uh, Shakespearean adaptations, is Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, and I think this is actually more enjoyable than that. I mean, it's it's genuinely funny, um, and uh, that's you know pretty hard when you're trying to I mean you're trying to understand the the, the ye olde English, and uh, this makes it easier. It doesn't uh, belabor the fact and sort of and uh, just makes it makes it it makes it easy for the for the, the the casual viewer to sort of get along and just enjoy the story for what it is, and it really is an enjoyable story. I highly recommend it. I give it four out of five looks. Next up, we've got Crystal with The World's End. The World's End is the latest in the Cornetto trilogy, uh, directed by Edgar Wright, starring Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Martin Freeman, and some other people. <laughs> And those other guys. <laughs> guys. <laughs> it was good to finally get the chance to watch this. I wanted to see it when it came out. Uh, David clearly didn't want to watch it and had no intention of ever doing so. So I had to wait till it came out on Blu-ray and uh, purchase it for myself. And then watch it all by myself, alone in the lounge room. Oh, <laughs> you sound like a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so David had already prejudged it, decided he didn't want to watch it, caught the last five minutes and decided it was crap. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to tell you, it was much better than that uh, other movie of a similar title that came out at the same time that they reviewed. How do you know? You didn't even watch it. Judging by your review. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a, f- a group of five friends uh, led by Simon Pegg's character, Gary King. Gary King's pretty unlikable character. And he's sort of hit rock bottom in life and he wants to recreate the night of his youth where they all did this massive pub crawl but didn't quite finish it they didn't quite get to the final pub called the the world's end so they go off to their the village of their youth and uh, after some persuading it takes quite a bit of persuading to get the the friends to come along but they go off there um, and they start on this journey and it's pretty much it's pretty standard sort of British stuff until you get to the point where Nick Frost's character Andy decides that they should go home because none of them have a good time. Gary's a bit of a douche (laughs) and they they should all just go home. That's when the movie starts to get interesting. That's when it kind of turns into Invasion of the Body Snatchers. (laughs) So it's, uh, I won't, I won't spoil too much about what happens next because I think it's best to see it fresh. Um, uh, and, and just experience it for yourself. But it's kind of along the lines of Shaun of the Dead, how Shaun of the Dead's kind of a zombie movie, how uh, how they would imagine it, it would happen if it hit um, in England. Um, this is sort of how they imagine it would work if Invasion of the Body Snatchers happened in, uh, in a village in England. Um, I wouldn't say it's the funniest movie I've ever seen. It's, it's entertaining. It was, it, was a, it was a lot of fun to watch. The highlight of the film I think is the special effects there's a really good mix of CGI and animatronics what they do with Martin Freeman's head is fantastic it's worth watching the film for just for that um, I would give this movie a three and a half out of five looks awesome well, thank you very much everybody 
Uh, coming up next, we've got Contest of Champions. Ladies and gentlemen, So before we get into our Contest of Champions for this week, I just want to go back a bit to their last Contest of Champions, which was uh, Paul Atreides versus Luke Skywalker. Now, well, during the end of that fight, we established that Luke would win. And uh, after we did that, we had some feedback on our Facebook page by uh, Matt. He was uh, very vocal about his disagreement uh, with the outcome of that fight. Or, well, actually, more along the lines of... of the premise of that fight. Um, he did. He did say at, in the end that uh, that Luke should have won, and he was fine. He was fine with that. He just wasn't happy with the premise on, on and how Luke ended up winning. Luke won because we stat, we established that Paul still needed uh, the box to use his voice powers, and um, Luke used the force to destroy the box and his shield, and so Paul was defenseless, and Luke just took him out easy as you like, and. Uh, Matt thought that, that was unfair that that we had Luke at pretty much the peak of his abilities, and Paul was not at the peak of his of his abilities. And uh, on reflection, I have to agree that I, I do agree with that. Uh, but the reason I did it that way is because if we had had Paul at the peak of his abilities, if we put if we pitted those sort of two powerhouses against each other, the fight would have basically just been a draw, and they would it would have gone on forever. So that was my reasoning. Now, in thinking that, actually, I. I have to agree with Matt. I, I probably we probably should have done that and just declared it a draw in the end because it wasn't really fair to Paul, Paul to Paul <laughs> for us to do that. What do you reckon, Buck? Yeah, no, I see. I see what he's saying, um, and I kind of thought about that too while we were doing it. But I also see your point that like he's just completely overpowered otherwise. Yeah. But you said that uh, the the listener that responded to this actually still found a way for Luke to win. Yeah, he, he thinks he still thinks Luke should have won because Luke could have just lobbed asteroids at him <laughs> and just and just overcome. He had some, he had some, some pretty interesting points. I'll just, I'll just mention two of them. So is one of them was that after Luke destroys the generator, uh, the, the the module, Paul should have then said, um, "Surprise! I actually don't need the module anymore," which is basically a scene from the film, and then just you know voice you know power word stunned him anyway, just to take him out. Which I thought was pretty cool. That would have been a pretty cool storyline. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that the voice—the voice is not just um, power word stun and power word kill. The voice is actually also mind control, just like the Jedi mind trick stuff, um, but a more powerful version of it. Paul could have also have just told Luke to, to stop, but he also—but he does in the end, like I said, agree that the Force is more powerful, and because it you know permeates the universe, and that Luke. I still. I still just think they're so so close. Yeah, it is. so it's hard to it's hard to give a winner in that. So well, I'm actually I'm actually I'm going to call it. I think I mean I'm going to I'm going to pull an executive move and uh, in honor of uh, Matt. So Matt, this is for you. I'm going to declare that fight a draw. I like it. I'm w- I'm with it. Yeah, cool. So thank you very much, Matt, for your very entertaining commentary on the Facebook page. <laughs> Check it out. He even had a link to a video. This proves that I'm right. <laughs> Which is pretty cool. It's good stuff. How can anything prove anything? It's fictional characters. <laughs> yeah, what, what video did he have? <laughs> he, had a, he had a video at uh, the end of Dune, basically. The end of the Dune movie. So. Was it him playing with the action figures in a bathtub? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been awesome. But uh, no. So, uh, yeah. So, thanks, Matt. That was awesome. So, we have officially declared Paul versus Luke a draw. So, moving on to this episode's Contest of Champions. Now, I was inspired by this one by our um, Han Solo versus Captain James T. Kirk fight, in which that I declared that Han's proven to not be a very good fighter because he gets beaten by Ewoks. So for this, <laughs> this, so for this contest, we're going to have Ewoks versus the Jawas. Yeah. Right. So this, is the, so this is the scenario. I just thought this would be hilarious. So this is the scenario. Um, for, anybody, for everybody who's seen Caravan of Courage, there's actually a desert section of Endor. So after the after Return of the Jedi and the Ewoks have been now the rest of the universe knows that the Ewoks exist, uh, it becomes a bit of a tourist destination, and the Jawas think, sensing you know profit because that's what they're all about profit. They show up on Endor and they they set up shop in the in the desert part. And at first the Ewoks are cool with it because they're in the desert, so who cares? Because uh, the Ewoks don't go to the desert. But uh, eventually the Jawas sense that uh, more profit can be found 
by uh, moving inland, and so they start to encroach on uh, the Ewoks' territory. An all-out war, total war breaks out. What about that one? Do you like that? Yeah, it's good, man. I thought you know, the, the Jawas kind of sound like uh, Ferengi. Yeah. <laughs> they are basically the Ferengi of <laughs> the Star Wars universe. There's nothing about it. We have the ears. Um, they could have the ears. Who knows? They're wearing those hoods. They were stupid. It's the cutest battle royale ever. <laughs> so teddy bears versus weird shadow creatures in hoods that make awesome noises. <laughs> you teddy! If only you could you use teddy! your brain power for good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm going to be the Jawa. Um, and it is it is actually, the plural of Jawa is Jawa. I just want to point that out. And Bo's going to be the Ewoks. <laughs> the Ewoks. Because uh, I hate the Ewoks and don't want to be the Ewoks. So we're going to go out. So that's so that's the scenario. The Jawa are in, uh, have got a special jungle version of their sand crawler, and they're they're moving through the jungle when the Ewoks are attacking. Wait a minute! Can you make up special stuff? Can't, doesn't it have to be? It's my podcast. I can make up anything I damn well want. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> this is why. This is why he always wins. I, mean, I don't always win. Like, he makes the scenario. <laughs> is that not a good scenario? No, that's good. good. You're the dungeon master. <laughs> I don't always win. I we I let you let the X Men win. Oh, oh, you let you let me win. I got you. <laughs> you know I love you. All right, so the Ewoks I, are currently attacking the giant sand crawler thing. Jawas are inside. Hit it. So I I think the Ewoks would win. I mean, the giant sand crawler thing would be hard for the Ewoks to get into, but. I just feel like in a, in a in a war, the way you describe it, where it's like two cultures, it's not like two, it's not like one individual fighting another. Mm. Um, I just I just picture the Ewoks winning. They're they're resourceful, you yeah. know. Yeah. I mean they they can make you know traps and stuff. I mean, sure they're not in like a forest area. Um, yeah, they're in the forest. But, we'll say we'll say the crawlers come into the forest. Oh well, yeah, hands down, Ewoks yeah. all day long. Hands down, Ewoks. Yeah. Why, why though? They're on. they They are very resourceful. They make traps. They make. Uh, you know. They make these. They can hit you on both sides with. Uh, with the uh, big, big logs. Yep. And uh, and you're you're in their territory. Yep. They would have already made these things just in case you came in. I got um, you there. And then yeah. now that you're here, they're just making. They're making more. You know. <laughs> I mean, they they freaking they fought stormtroopers. They killed ATATs. <laughs> What are the, what are the what are these Jaw- these Jawas stand no chance? <laughs> but the Jawas have a have a uh, and it was actually ATSTs that they destroyed, not ATATs. And they, okay. the the Jawa, Jawa have a technological advantage though; they can send out droids. They've got guns on the sand crawler. Yeah, but the, the, the Ewoks took out the droids too. So the Ewoks will take out the droids as well. You reckon? Unless the unless the Jawa send out a droid that they then think is a god, like C three PO. That's right. Thank you, Crystal. This is why I had you on the show. So all the Jawas oh, need, to, all the Jawas need to do is send out a protocol droid, and the Ewoks. Are, that's it. They're done. They, they stop fighting. They throw down all their weapons. So you're saying they're resourceful, but they're gullible. <laughs> well, they're they, not, are, they are pretty good opposites, actually. They're because I would say that's accurate. They're they're resourceful, but they are gullible. And then the Jawas seem less resourceful, but they, you're not pulling one over on a Jawa. Like they're gonna. Screw you out of some kind of deal somewhere. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty, they're pretty opposite, but both so cute. <laughs> so, so I like I like your idea that they've they've prepared in advance and they've got the catapults, they've got the tree squashy thing, and uh, the gliders. Don't forget they're awesome gliders. They've got all that business. <laughs> I I have no doubt that they would just swarm over the sand crawler like ants, and it'd be it would look like a clear win for the Ewoks. I agree. But as soon as that protocol droid comes out, starts floating around, <laughs> the Ewoks just throw their weapons down, start bowing. What if the protocol droid fails? Ooh, that's a good point. I like, I like the way you think. Because the Jawas do have dodgy droids. That's right. They've, they've, they've got a proven yeah. track record of dodgy droids. So so while, <laughs> while, the, while the droids out there and all the Ewoks are all bowing down and the Jawas are like, you did it, we win. The droid, the droid breaks down. The Ewoks freak out and attack again. Yeah, because oh, yeah, then, then the Jawas killed their god. That's it. The Jawas killed their god. Oh, this is a clear victory for the Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, I, I see. I, I see what you're saying. In most circumstances, I would say the Ewoks win. 
I think that there is there is a chance that you could pull one over on them, and the uh, and the Jawas are pretty crafty. So I don't know how you would I don't know how you would actually you know write out a scenario where the Ewoks win every time. But yeah, in that scenario, I think the Ewoks would win. I have to give it to you. I think you're right. I think it's the Ewoks have won it after a long protracted battle where hopefully there's mo- you know massive casualties on both sides. <laughs> Especially the Ewok side, that uh, the Ewoks would in fact win. So the Jawas only have the one trick. That's it. <laughs> they would kill them in, in such cute ways, you know. I mean, like <laughs> they make giant catapults and and uh, big logs smashing them. And as part of the post for this episode, when I was doing the research for this fight, I found an image of uh, an act- a custom action figure called Dead Ewok. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna put that on the post. <laughs> Well, I saw a T-shirt that said "The Ewoking Dead," and it had uh, it had Ewoks set up as uh, as all the members of the Walking Dead. That's awesome. Yeah, that should have been on my Christmas list. The Ewoking Dead. Awesome. All right, so that's victories for the Ewoks at our special uh, end of end of year edition of Contest of Champions. So uh, let us know what you thought of that outcome. I mean, we love we love it when we get feedback about these things. Yeah, tell us we're wrong. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with being wrong. Uh, but if you thought yeah, we were tell right. David's wrong. <laughs> David's never wrong. David's never wrong. <laughs> I let you win. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll have the details on how you can contact us at the end of the show, but uh, let us know that uh, in this particular instance, victory for the Ewoks. Yumcha. It tastes really good. Yumcha. <laughs> we like the yumcha. Moving on to Azerothian Times. If I was going to take control of Azerothian times, I, I've decided. <laughs> I just, just throwed it on him. <laughs> All right, so this week uh, in Azerothian times, we really don't have a lot of, like, in the actual game news, uh, but we did have some Blizzard announcements. Yep. Um, one thing was Clancy Brown. Do you recognize the name Clancy Brown? Hell yeah, the Kurgan from Highlander. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's from Highlander. He's also in Starship Troopers, uh, Shawshank Redemption. Um, and here's the here's the cool part. Here's like a, kind of a, a weird a weird bit of Blizzard trivia. Um, well, for, first off, uh, non obscure Blizzard trivia, very out in the open Blizzard news, is that Clancy Brown has been announced to be in the World of Warcraft movie. Awesome. Um, Yep, so that was that was officially announced by Blizzard. It wasn't like leaked on some weird website or anything. And um, the weird part is there was a project scrapped by Blizzard many years ago that would have had Clancy Brown doing the voice for Thrall. Ooh. And they scrapped the project. Now, according to the timeline of where this story is taking place, I don't think we have a Thrall yet. But no. I don't know. Maybe something's going on with this story that we don't that we don't know. Um, and so, I mean, could Clancy Brown be Thrall? Mm, I don't think he'd be Thrall because Thrall's not in it, but it could be, um, Draenor guy. But, the main, well, we haven't heard that, the main that orc. Thrall's not in it. I, I think he'll play the main orc. Yeah, he could be. He mm. could be. I'm with you. I don't think it's, I don't think it's actually true. But the thing is, is a po- there's a possibility because, you know, Duncan Jones, the guy making, the guy, the director of the movie is famous for telling very cerebral, kind of out-of-the-ordinary, uh, timey-wimey almost stories. Yeah. So, I mean, who's to say that in that type of story that something weird couldn't happen where you have characters from you know, the current timeline and that timeline? I did mention in a previous episode when they were showing uh, production art that one of, the sh- one of the art pieces is Dalaran, but it's the flying version of Dalaran. Right, right, so, so dude. It is, so it is and possible. I made a joke. I, I even, oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah. I even made a joke that like it was going to start out with some old orc going. I remember a long time ago. <laughs> yep. Whenever you sit down, I'll tell you a story. Yep. Like, uh, yeah, dude. I man, there's. <laughs> we might be the first podcast to call this so far, We're but I think it. there's there's something else going on with the story of this movie yep. than than what meets the eye, man, because. I don't know. I just think it's weird he did the voice of Thrall. I think it's weird they got Duncan Jones doing the movie yeah. in the first place because a WoW movie that's about orcs and humans set in that time period seems very straightforward and like you wouldn't need Duncan Jones doing that. 
You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. it seems like any director could do that. And the fact that they have Duncan Jones leads me to believe that this, A, is going to be a really good movie, and B, it is going to be something... It's not just orcs and versus humans. Like, There's going to be some depth there that we're not expecting. Um, but anyway, that's tinfoil hat stuff. I'll take it off for a second. <laughs> we also have Daniel Wu, uh, who was announced uh, as one of the uh, actors for the movie. Daniel Wu, it's funny, I watched a movie with Daniel Wu last night. Um, I was watching Europa Report. and um, The what report? Europa. Europa Report. Yeah, I, I think that's the first time I've ever said a movie title that you hadn't seen. I've never even heard of it. Uh, it's uh, it's it's kind of reminded me of Primer so much that I even looked it up on IMDb to make sure it wasn't the same guy that did Primer, which it is not. I didn't watch the whole thing, but it might have just been that I was just like super tired and didn't feel like dealing with a complicated movie like that last night. Um, I might have to go back and watch it again. But um, if it is a bad movie, it certainly wasn't his fault. He seems like a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, but from. From what I've heard about this guy is he's an Asian actor, but he was actually born in the U.S., um, but he moved to Hong Kong um, and was obsessed with Jackie Chan and has made a lot of non-American films. So, I mean, that's kind of his legacy. And the joke the joke that I've heard on the Internet is, is um, does this mean we're getting a Pandaren in the movie? A Pandaren. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think so, though. I mean, Why does he automatically need to be a Pandaren just because he's Asian? It's just that the only Asian influence in World of Warcraft is uh, Pandaria, because there's no... But like, doesn't mean, these... that doesn't mean you have to be a panda. Maybe Why, why can't he be a human monk? Well, because there's there we, there hasn't been any human NPCs that are... there's There's been nothing but, like, regular white NPCs. There's no races represented in the World of Warcraft. <laughs> I think you might be able to make a black NPC. And And here's another weird thing. There's no Africa, so you wouldn't call them African Americans in the World of Warcraft, right? Right. How would that work? Why can't you just call them people. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. Why can't they just be people? But there's, I mean, they can. You can make very dark-skinned characters. Yeah. 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 I was, I was curious about it enough that I actually, I actually looked to see if you could make a dark-skinned character, and and you can. The only, but, uh, the only difference is they are essentially just, think- just Caucasian, but with dark skin. Right, and I think it's I think it's weird that humans are in in I don't even think the humans are necessary in the World of Warcraft, like because there's no there's there's no culture representation of humans other than other than Stormwind. That's about it, you know. Yeah, like we we they could have just given Stormwind to Ironforge or something, and then I'd have been fine with that. You see, you I don't know. You don't want like humans it. in the in the game. I don't think humans are needed in the game because it's weird. It's just weird to me to think about different races and cultures of humans and yet in world of warcraft there's just one race and culture of humans i mean there's different uh skin tones but essentially they're the same culture you know yeah the there's humans in the humans in warcraft people. represent white caucasians and, and that's where the joke comes from with the uh daniel Wu guy is like there is no asian culture in stormwind only in pandaria you know like yeah. so that's why humans are weird in the game i'd almost just wish they weren't in the game Okay. But that's just me. No, I'm with you. I agree. I, I don't. I, well, I wouldn't necessarily say I agree, but I do understand what you're saying. And uh, so that's Daniel Wu. Uh, also, we've had uh, a lot of like dilemma with not just WoW streamers, but a lot of streamers are are getting in trouble for playing music in the background. Yeah. Um, either a like they're playing a game and they're listening to music and they're letting the stream pick up whatever they're listening to, which I don't think is happening very often. But apparently. Um, you can get slapped with a with a fine for doing that for illegally streaming, you know, Justin Bieber maybe. Yeah. Um, well, you should get slapped with a fine for streaming Justin Bieber anyway. Right. Just for, well, for bad taste, bad taste fine. <laughs> oh, I get it. I didn't get that at first. Um, you know, I kind of understand that. I think the the music industry takes that way too far. I mean, they take it way too seriously. Like, but instead of embracing technology and changing with it, they're trying to get people to stick to this old system. And then they're punishing them for not using it. You know, like, <laughs> there's so many artists now that come out on the internet and their whole, their whole like, system is based on, well, you download my music and then you become a fan of me and then you buy my products, you know? Hmm. And that's, like, what they're based on. You know, that's, uh, you know, you've got Dual Core. That's what he does. you got Brad, Brad Sucks. That's what he does. Like, there's so many new artists that just have embraced this new model instead of trying to stick to this old one. But 
in actuality, if they own the copyright of it, I mean, how far does that go? Does it say that you're not allowed to... Because nobody's watching the stream because they're like, oh, man, I really dig this Justin Bieber song. I'm going to watch this guy play WoW just so I can hear this song. That's not why they're there. So, I mean, like, who's to say that, that the the company owns the rights to that? Exactly. Um, I, I love that sort of debate. Mm. And I don't really have a right answer for you, but yeah. I, I, mean, I, love even, the, I, I love talking about that sort of thing. And I'm kind of on the I'm on the copy left side of things. Like I, I definitely think that their uh, intellectual property, you know, theory, their intellectual property idea, they they are stretching that so thin that it's ridiculous. There was a band I can't remember which one it is, but it's an old a band that's been around for ages. They used the, the the pirate sites to their advantage in that they hired someone to do an analysis of it and then they toured where the highest downloads were. Oh wow, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. And, and that's you know, like cool. Radiohead, I mentioned Brad Sucks, but Brad Sucks and Radiohead and, and a lot of bands are doing Creative Commons. Mm. And whenever we put our, our music um, for uh, Nova Javelin, we're planning to do the same thing. But what it is is you actually give the public all the tracks, pay what you want. You can pay zero dollars, you can pay a hundred dollars. Yeah. And you get the CD in its entirety. But not only do you get the CD, you get the bass tracks, you get the drum tracks, you get the vocal tracks, you get the guitar tracks. And if you want to mix it and make your own song with it, you can post that. And if it's good, we'll even post it on our website and, and brag about it. Um, I mean, it's just the way Brad Sucks described it was it's like his music is it has a life of its own. Like it's on its own on the Internet doing its own promotion for him and all this kind of stuff. And all he has to do is go to work every day. And then come home and see what people have made out of his music, and you know he's gotten way more promotion from doing that than from slapping a fine on somebody for playing a Brad Sucks song while he's streaming World of Warcraft. You know what I mean? Exactly right. But I don't know. It's not exactly as Rothian Times news, but because but of the it, holidays, it all ties in. Kinda... It all ties in. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it affects podcasts as well. I mean, I, I, I'm always very careful not to have more than uh, what is it, ten seconds of audio from somewhere. You know, what I mean, as as a sample in the yeah. show because it's just it's a very real real very real problem there's no way i'd be able to f- fight a fine from you know so, yeah. from sorry oh, yeah, you know definitely. what i mean a cease and desist just wouldn't be worth it so yeah no i'm, I'm with you and it's i but I, I i totally agree with you it's i think they're just going they're going about it the wrong way as usual ron nakata ron nakata the um senior software engineer for blizzard entertainment uh, was diagnosed with uh colon cancer six months ago and um i don't have any links on do you have any links on the information on yeah on how you could donate to this yeah yeah i'll, I'll but, put it i'll put it in the show notes yeah a friend of his and it's it's not necessarily on blizzard site but a lot of the like wow podcasters and stuff are just putting the word out there they're trying to raise money for um for his uh, hospital bills uh for this cancer and i don't know any of the details i don't know anything about it but I just thought uh, maybe we could put in the show notes or something a link to that. Um, yeah, well, I mean, Ron's, Ron's worked for Blizzard for five years, and uh, his friend's the one that's uh, set up the thing. And they're, they're doing it because he's, his uh, short-term medical insurance has finished. And there's, a there's like, apparently, I'm not too sure how the American medical system works, but apparently there's a gap until his long-term one kicks in. And uh, by then it might be a bit, bit too late. So they're just trying to get some money to sort of work to use in the interim. Any, any help that people can give would be good. Okay, so coming up next, we have Crystal's Clip Show. We had one of those last year. It was a huge success. People loved it, especially me. Thought it was awesome. We'll cut, in, cut into that. And then we come, we'll come back with our giveaway. Take it away, Crystal. Overture, like the lights. This, this is it. it. The night and nights. No and more we heising or noising apart. We know every part by heart. Overture. Dim the lights, this is it, we'll hit the heights, and oh what heights we'll hit, on with the show, this is it. Who loves you, baby? First up... Oh my God. I'm sorry, is this 1970 and have we entered Kojak, have we? I am old. Uh, by George Louis... George Louis Borges. It's Borges, you think? I think it's Borges. I think it is Borges. You think I would have remembered because we studied him for about a month at university. It's Borgs. 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 (laughs) George Borgs. Resistance is futile. Resistance is a philosophical standpoint. Absolutely. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) 
Coming up next, the winner of our Spider-Man and uh, NCP t-shirt giveaway. Is it you? Probably. Well, it's not me, because you told me I wasn't allowed to enter because I'm already on the show. Some kind of conflict of interest thing. So that was... I, I don't get it. <laughs> you don't that, get it. That, that was kind of... That's the whole point. You don't get it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> that was kind of mean then when you uh, actually taunted him with uh, dangling the prize in front of him. That's right. I, I kept stro- trying to grab it. Fact, he I, kept taking it away. I can't believe I stroked it in front of him with the memory stairs. <laughs> you know, that's just not right. <laughs> Uh, so, Crystal will actually not be joining us for this episode uh, for a number of reasons, mainly because she has no interest in comics in any way, shape, or form. We tried. <laughs> we tried our hardest. <laughs> we did try. It just didn't work. But she wouldn't take me with her. Hello and welcome to episode 44. Have you no sense of decorum, man? Hello and welcome to episode 44. Our listeners are no tavern bodies out to waste a halfpenny on tawdry entertainment. They have minds. Ladies. Gentlemen. And those who fill in the space marked other. It appears that I, the world's harshest critic, must usurp proceedings, readjust the vast intellectual imbalance, and bid you, our clockwork culturalites, greetings as we commence to present, in alliance with Big Top Network and brought to you by the fine folks at Totally Irreverent, episode 44 of Nerd Culture. Transmitted to you of your Ippy Podographs, your Babbage-style difference engines, or computers, for those transceiving this from beyond infinity. Before we commence with delights to stimulate the faculties, let me present, in no order of importance, that Sultan of the Foglight Skies, adrift on his airship, the HMS Exile, flies David! Hello! <laughs> from the bowels of the Undercity, crawling out of the oil and sawdust, we dust off the coal pa- that coal-powered pugilist. Automatomic contender, Ironhead Richo, huzzah! <laughs> and last, shh, her name cannot be spoken aloud. It's rumoured she has ties to, th- to the celestial triads and runs for her majesty behind the locked doors of Bow Street. So, give a big hand for m- the mysterious Madame Crystal! <gasps> you spoke my name! No, I think that was, uh, yeah, so supporting actress Anne Hathaway for Lame Is. Sorry, sorry, could you give me the full title of the film? <laughs> no, I, I, it, it turns out that I can't. Uh, <laughs> that, that French, it's uh, very, very difficult. But in French. Um, so French, they have a word for everything. <laughs> Except for entrepreneur, according to George W. Bush. Don't appease the people that have, you know, gone up bugged off five years ago. I'm a fan, man. I've been here all along. Yeah. Do, you, do you, it for me. You yeah, suffered, you yeah, suffered through season seven. I've suffered you through season seven. I've watched The Unnatural. I've watched Hollywood AD. I've watched three. I've been here all along. In your face, next people. In your face. You can always tell how popular something is if they make a Simpsons episode pretty much dedicated to it. It's like watching a lava lamp. Whoever thought a whale could be so heavy? (laughs) I bring you peace. (laughs) Bring us peace, children. I also love in that day. This won't hurt the bit until I jam it down your throat. (laughs) And in that episode at the end of the Simpsons one, and uh, Mulder's talking about you know, conspiracies and this yeah. and that. Scully looks at the watch and just walks off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Something that she would have loved to have done in the X-Files series, no doubt. Richo. I am Iron Man. Luke. I'm kind of Iron Man. I do whatever an Iron Man can. <laughs> and Crystal. I must be the Patriot. <laughs> the Iron Patriot? The Iron Patriot. I'll be, I'll I'll be Copper Man. I am Iron Man, and so is my wife. <laughs> A plethora of excellent actors. What's what's the collective term for excellent actors? A cast. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go on someone, but that one was, that was good. Uh, Swearage is so multifaceted. Mm. Uh, on the one, you just start to like him and think, oh, he's, be- he's becoming a good guy, and then he puts a boot on some whore's neck and. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> a rather dramatic one. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Um, I don't know where to go, know where to go from there. Andy Crane's come to town, and it's it's that uh, they've realised he's sick, and so Sai tosses him out into the into the woods to die. And Jane comes upon him, and all he can say is I apologise. And, and Jane says to him, Look, if you promise to stop apologising, I'll go down and get you some water. And she starts walking off to get the water, and he goes. 
I apologize. And Shane went to her, shut the front door! Or went to that effect. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on here? Who the hell are you? Why, I'm Professor Cornelius Beaumont, but uh, you can call me Rex. <laughs> Strange clothing, at least I'm not wearing a bow tie. <laughs> Both sides are cool. They're not cool. Both sides are cool. I want a fetch. Wait, 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 wait. Look, look, enough of this. Who are you people? Uh, Isn't it obvious? I'm me. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I'll be able to get you back to your moon bases and jetpacks. You're just going to have to give me a second to work here. We're all going to die. Mm. It's nice to have the two sort of contrasting Bill viewpoints. Paxton was in that movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it would have been awesome if he had to be. Human. <laughs> Whoa, man. I <laughs> must, but I cannot. <laughs> You're just a big bee bully. Now I will kill you. <laughs> oh, this is a tragedy. It's, uh, it's October 1st, uh, so that means yesterday James Dean died. Oh, we were too late. Yeah. We could have saved him. Um, Alec Guinness tried. He did. Alec Guinness did try. Alec Guinness said he would... Alec Guinness told him not to get into that car. Yeah. So, I mean, he's only 24. It's a shame. He was very, very good. Alec Guinness should have just said this is not the car. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's a tragedy. But anyway, moving on. You've grown a beard, I see. I have. I think it makes me look more distinguished. You'll notice I also have patches on my sleeves now. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the usual. You just you'll continue. How go the repairs? We well, I need to. I need to make some recalculations based on the calibrations of your journey here right now. Okay. So, give me another couple of hours. Or so. <laughs> okay. No worries. Yeah. Look, I've updated the beeper for you. Thank you. Mm. Awesome. You should try a Van Dyke. You know, a Van Dyke would look good on you. I look good anyway. It's not actually a very happy day in America because last night um, the charter plane that was transporting Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, the big bopper and the pilot, Roger Peterson, uh, crashed. Oh no! Again, we were too late! (laughs) It's the three men I admire most! (laughs) I was going there myself. (laughs) The Father, Son and Holy Ghost. (laughs) That's right. It sounded like Ed Sullivan. <laughs> he did a bit. Ed Sullivan. I'm cool with that. Uh, as long as I don't look like Ed Sullivan. <laughs> no, that would be uh, a little bit. No. What? <laughs> and you look like a pile of poo. No, you've got a neck. <laughs> because... At least he's loyal. But there's He's nothing. a loyal fan. He's, he's a, a boy. He's a connoisseur like of I said, ancient rock music. Okay. Do you think? Uh, do you think young feline twins today? All right. Let's leave out the feline. But do you think hot young <laughs> twins today would think that I was cool if I was listening to music from three hundred years ago? No, I think they would. They would think you were cool if you looked like Chris Pine. They try to duplicate it on Star Trek: The Next Generation with LaForge and Data. Yeah. Mm. But LaForge is not anywhere not near as interesting as Elijah Bailey no, is, Elijah unfortunately. Bailey, yeah. And not prejudiced. Yeah. No, no, no. no. But I'm he's just saying... in love with that. No, I'm, just, I'm just talking about the, <laughs> uh, the uh, <laughs> data learning about humanity and oh. large... Uh, mm. sort of like yeah, no, 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 LaForge, no. not large. <laughs> <laughs> LaForge uh, sort of teaching him the ways of the human. <laughs> the ways of the human. <laughs> <laughs> the way him the what way those salty emissions being... <laughs> So, without further ado, on with the show. <laughs> it's the Muppet Show. It's time to play the music. Well, our special guests, Andre Bergen and Gail Simone. Yay! That was really cool. Thank you, Crystal. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so next up is... Uh, you. Moi. Uh, I'm going to be reviewing Wreck-It Ralph. The Muppet movie. Superman Begins. <laughs> Superman Begins? What? <laughs> I'm just making up. No, you're just making movies now. up. <laughs> you're not, you're not a post-critical review high. <laughs> Batman, Man of Steel. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it, it's getting that way. He's unbeatable. All right. Just shock moment. I think my biggest culture shock moment was when I ordered a tray of sashimi in a restaurant and um, it came with a sliced sashimi and the fish that the sashimi had come from was put on the side of the plate as decoration and the fish was still alive. Oh! 
and it was writhing around on the plates. I had to get a chopstick and stab it through the eye to put it out of its misery. And I was like, okay, crap, I'm in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> or post on our Facebook wall at www.facebook.com forward slash nerdculture podcast. <laughs> or you can tweet us at nerdculturecast. Or you can leave a comment on any post on our website at www.nerdculturepodcast.com. He's on the old list the professional. Yeah, but, but he's been yeah. doing it for like 50 episodes. <laughs> We've been doing it once. Yeah, you reacted like I just slapped you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the rehearsal. Yeah, look, I'm not up with this whole commission thing, okay? <laughs> it's a, it's a little blue bird that appears on the screen when I'm on websites. <laughs> I've got a grasp on the Google. <laughs> Good friends like ourselves to fire up at each other like you did, you can tell. It's a polarizing experience. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought it? But the love Thorkert. is still there. Thorkert? <laughs> Who would have thought it? Oh, that, that sounded like a good character name. Thorkert! I am Thorkert! The Thorkert yeah. of Wonder. Yeah. Kneel before I'd... Thork! And then, and then Ryan was retired. Yep. <laughs> What's that about? Maybe he wants to go off and be a cobbler like uh, <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> was for a while. <laughs> He's going off on a high. Yeah, to say so to the to the disgust that's of all. Funny, considering all, my left foot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. <laughs> Pretending that wasn't said. Let's move on. Well, in the spirit of the episode, the this morning Luke's coffee was actually made from mud. Mud and kitten vomit. No, that's what? that's that's the custard. He didn't yeah, ask for custard, custard but he does have milk. Mm. Unfortunately. Yes, <laughs> I'm now not going to question where that came from. <laughs> Thankfully, it wasn't a cappuccino. (laughs) (laughs) At NerdCultureCast on the Twitter machine! (laughs) Well, you can comment on any post on our website. www.nerdculturepodcast.com On the internet machine! Was that your your Alan Rickman? No, that's my Laurence Olivier. To be fair, my Peter Sellers doing all Laurence Olivier. doing a hard day's night. (laughs) Being a hard day's (laughs) night. Singing of the Rain's okay. Um, make him laugh is awesome. But it's got stuff like Good Morning. Good Morning. Good Morning. It's great to stay up late. Good Morning. Good Morning. To you and you and you. <laughs> 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 That's and all the action sequences as well. I love the fight at the end with the Queen on the um yeah. on the ship. Away from her, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. It's the Pred Alien, which is meant to be the big catch for this film. I would have gone with Alienator. <laughs> <laughs> Alienator. <laughs> what kind of comic we want to talk about? Uh, it can be new, it can be old, it can be whole runs. I don't care. I'm, I'm interested. Of uh, our beloved comics. Uh, first, we have Richo with the Killer Omnibus Volume One. Oh, I can't resist our beloved comics, your beloved comics. <laughs> because you guys are married, are Day's beloved comics becoming your beloved comics as well? Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. All right. Nice. So um, yeah, so we do get to see what it is that you're buying, um, uh, but we don't get to see who it is that's buying it. So yeah, so but, uh, porn. but we yeah. What? <laughs> Can you buy porn on Amazon? I don't know. I don't think yeah. really Fifty looked. Shades of Grey will be there. Well, that's it. Fifty Shades of Grey. Don't be ashamed to buy that. It's fine. Everybody's buying it. Um, no, so... no, be ashamed to buy that. <laughs> because there are, I mean, they are quite young. One of them, Molly, the youngest, is actually still in school and still wears, you know, bunny slippers and stuff like that. Um, she's why did you point to your head when you said bunny slippers? I like bunny slippers and I've got one on my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> um... That's it for me and the rest of the crew, Richo. That's it for me as well. Look. Yeah, I've still got a little bit of juice left. And Crystal. In the face. <laughs> a little bit of juice left in the face. Gold. <laughs> you people are shocking. I didn't mean it that way. Hey, you're the one that went there, not us. <laughs> Samurai pizza cats. Oh yeah, who do you call when you want some pepperoni? Samurai pizza cats. What? <laughs> I have two things to say about that, David. Two. You are insane! <laughs> and in an institution! Uh, the second one... That's twice I've been committed this episode. Oh, I have a really funny Star Wars story. Actually, 
my grandma used to have this black, <laughs> this is an embarrassing story <laughs> my grandma used to have this like black lipstick or it was like so dark it looked black yeah. and me and my cousin used to draw the Darth Maul faces and we would have like <laughs> lightsaber battles in the backyard that I was, was a Star Wars fan that's not embarrassing that's awesome I was like 14 <laughs> oh, I mean that case <laughs> the Disney takeover all right, it's a, it's a staple with uh, No Culture Podcast that I ask this one question at every interview. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you were doing this interview, mm-hmm. what would be the one question that you want asked? God, um, I, have, I have no... Okay, okay. Here's the question I would ask. Yep. If I could only ask one question. Right. I would ask, if you had one question, what is the one question you would want asked? Oh my god, he folded in on itself! It's all like a Mobius strip! It's all like, oh, snake eating its own tail! How did he do that? Hello, and welcome to episode 67 of the Nerd Culture Podcast. My name is David, and we are the NCP crew, Richo. I don't know if I really want to respond to that. <laughs> you don't have to respond. Look, Hello? I, I'm trying to be international. I will. Hey, hi, hi. <laughs> See? Looks in on it. And Crystal. Hello. <laughs> Can I do mind again in my Mr. Boyd's voice? Hey, hey, If you want to be really international, do the entire episode in another language. I don't know how to speak another language. Make it up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Robert Silverberg. <laughs> I hate whenever people, like, read a book about a movie, and then they see the movie, and they go... Nah, it just wasn't really like the book, and so uh, I, I really didn't like it. Uh, I thought they should have done it more like the book. <laughs> I don't want to fall in love with my orc, my my, my orc helper. Oh, that's just uh, racist. What's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. <laughs> it's not easy being green. <laughs> Young Bo. <laughs> You always say young boat like I'm like eight years old or something. <laughs> I call everybody younger than me. Uh, everybody who's younger than me gets called young. I'm going to start calling you old, David. <laughs> no! <laughs> that was really cool. Thank you, Crystal. You're welcome. Nerd Culture <laughs> Podcast. So that was a clip show. Funny stuff. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks, Crystal. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so like I said at the start, we have a giveaway from Mad Men Entertainment. Awesome people at Mad Men Entertainment. They all rock every single one of them, including you. They uh, were kind enough to give us a copy of Much Ado About Nothing on DVD to give away. So it's a brand new shrink-wrapped copy. And uh, to win, you simply contact us uh, via one of the many varied ways that we're about to tell you, that we do at the end of every show, and uh, tell us you want it. It's as simple as that. So the first one to contact me and say that they want it, gets it. And I'll send it off. Express post. Easy as that. And tell us you love us as well. There you go. <laughs> and see, I can email you before the show's even posted because I know about it before they do. I'm not sending it to, to America. I think I just won this DVD, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have physical copy stuff. You stream everything on demand. That's true. I don't want, I don't want any, physical, any physical movies anymore. <laughs> Cool. So, uh, so in saying that, and the many varied ways that you can contact us are uh, on our website at www.nerdculturepodcast.com uh, or email feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com uh, or on our Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash nerdculturepodcast or Twitter at, at nerdculturecast. And you can Skype us on nerdculturepodcast. More importantly, though, you can also rate and review us on iTunes and buy stuff through our Amazon affiliate widget. It's awesome. On the website, we have an Amazon widget. You, it sends you through to Amazon. You buy stuff through there. costs you nothing extra, but we get a slice of the profits. Brilliant stuff. And if you want to hear more of Bo, you can do so on ECN Radio at... ECNRadio.com And if you want to hear both of us, you can do so on, at, on our side project, Film Flams where we flam the bip out of films. <laughs> <laughs> and that's at www.filmflams.com. Uh, check it out. Our latest one was, in fact, Cruel Intentions, which was a bit Great of a nostalgic, <laughs> nostalgic trip to the past. So that's it for me and the crew, Yanbo. Much to do about nothing should have been the title of Burn After Reading. 
<laughs> I totally agree with that. Totally agree. Hey, Crystal. I still can't find the bird. Crazy people. Bye. Bye. <laughs>